You don't see Merry Christmas anymore. With Trump as your president, we are going to be celebrating Merry Christmas again. Hillary and I want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. Have a very Merry Christmas. We want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. A very, very Merry Christmas and a holiday filled with joy. I want to wish every American a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. All right, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mele Kaliki Maka, everybody. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Well, all right, everybody. How in the world are you? It is the final show of the year 2022. Snap your fingers, blink your eyes. We're halfway through the month of December. Christmas will be here in five minutes from right now. Set your clocks. My name is Brian. This is the Stone on Air podcast. Find it, generally speaking, every Thursday, but not until the first Thursday of January. Thanks for being here. I might make some new opens and new rejoins next year. I might not. I've been saying I was going to do that for a while. I was watching uh, Law and Order SVU the other day, or I was watching a whole marathon of it, and the um, the a- the DA or the somebody ADA or somebody his last name is Stone, and it said, "Damn it, Stone! If I didn't have so much respect for you, I'd kick you out of my bar." <laughs> and I time stamped that, and I pulled that audio. That'll come in handy at some point. So I was just making a. Uh, dinner and I made a uh, quote-unquote copycat Chick-fil-A sandwich, which I've tried before and had a better success. And it got me thinking about the Mitch Hedberg joke. Sorry if you don't know who he is. But uh, they say that, I'm going to butcher it, but they say the ingredients to Sprite is lemon and lime. But I tried making it. There's more to it than that. Hey, y'all want some more homemade Sprite? Not till you figure out what the F is else in it. Kind of what I ran into with this Chick-fil-A sandwich thing. I uh, I missed a step or two. It didn't taste even a little bit like Chick-fil-A. It was a fine chicken sandwich with some pickle and a brioche bun, but it did not taste like the actual fast food chicken joint. So, uh, hello. How are you? I am good. Feeling very good, actually. I have Friday off this week. It's one of those last days I can take a day off at work, and I have one day to burn, so I... I'm kind of on, uh, you know, almost little mini, my long vacation, excuse me, a long weekend is damn near a vacation for me. A three-day weekend, I just don't get. Labor Day and Fourth of July and Memorial Day, all these days, and everybody's so excited about a three-day weekend. I, I've never had one of those. So when I get one of those, I get a little excited about it. And then I know I don't have to mess with this, even though I love doing it. I don't have to mess with it again for a couple of weeks. And I can just kind of rest and relax while the sometimes most stressful time of the year for many is upon us. Going to get all the Christmas shopping and all that kind of stuff done uh, this weekend on that extended weekend for me. For the show today's pure silliness for the most part. 
Um, just know that going in. Nothing really of major substance is going on today. Uh, but I think I think you'll like it. I have still put a lot of work into it. So I, if, if, you, if you do stick with it, I do appreciate it. I'll just lay it out quickly. I'm going to do it. The layout's a little different than normal. I used to do a thing at the old radio station, Fraud Radio 102.3, um, where this show first started, the Stone's Throw segment, where it was just a reason for me to, to, to bitch and yell and complain. I'm going to do one of those here in the open just because I kind of want to just play the sounder. That's really all there is to it. It would have just been part of the show anyway. But I'm not going to do any audio pieces on the front end because on the, f- the back end, the final segment of the show, it is a I scroll TikTok so you don't have to segment. I have 15 pieces of audio and I'm just going to roll through them and have commentary. Some of it's silly, some of it's serious, some of it's nonsense. And that's just going to be the way I'm going to uh, just basically clearing out a folder worth of saved uh, video and audio clips from TikTok on the final segment. And then in the middle segment, I think you'll get a little bit of a kick out of this. I have a story to tell you, and it's going to take a few minutes. You're going to have to have some time where you can kind of settle in and listen and it'll come together and you'll understand why I'm, why I'm telling you the story eventually. But for a few on the beginning, beginning and middle parts, you might be wondering, what the hell, where the hell is he going with this? And that's going to be the middle segment of the show. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to exactly sound like. But I, um, it is, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's funny. It's, it's silly. That's for sure. I don't know if humorous, funny, haha is the way to put it. And it's kind of an indictment on me and kind of the way that I treat people sometimes, which I'm not proud of almost ever, a lot of the times. A lot of times I realize I don't come across in a real um, uh, welcoming way sometimes. And that'll be all part of this. So it's uh, I'll, I'll, that'll be the entire second segment, and I'll lay it all out at that point. I was just uh, looking at somebody's social media who I respect a lot. It was a story or something on an Instagram and I, uh, it was another one of those typical, and I used to do this all the time too, and I realized I've kind of stopped doing it, is that uh, like listing all these reasons why the year sucks. Oh, 2022, I've had enough of you. Oh, so many people have died. Oh, so many people have gotten sick. Oh, so many p- p- politicians have said so many dumb things. And in the last seven years, oh, Trump is just doing this and this and this. And like good riddance, can't wait for the new year. And while I understand the sentiment, I understand the point Guys, this is every year. This is every year in adult life. Every year people die. Every year politicians say and do stupid things. Every year your family does something that you can't stand. Every year towards the end of it, we've all had enough. Every year is exactly the same, almost. It's kind of like the Nine Inch Nails song. Every day is exactly the same. Every day is exactly the same. I mean, it's just rinse and repeat and do it all over again and regurgitate every single year. So it's not just this year that sucks. They all suck. But obviously there's plenty in the middle that we all can mostly agree is worth, you know, the meaning of life, I guess, somehow, some way. Okay, so just a few thoughts here before I get to the return of the Stones Throw segment. So the Times Free Press has fixed the glitch, kind of, sort of. I now cannot pull up articles again just from the web page itself. So if I'm just on the website, I can't click on an article and pull it up and read it. I could for a couple weeks. For a little while, it appeared that I could. And then for a long time, I couldn't. And then I could. And then I had a way to trick the system. And then I didn't. 
But I have found out as of earlier today, I can still click on in the top left corner. If you click on it, it says re-see the actual paper. I can't remember how it's worded exactly. But it pulls it up in the form in which you look at it as an actual newspaper. And you can print off copies. Now, the, the, the copy is very small, but uh, you can still read it. Or at least I can. My eyesight is good enough. And so I still have access to the paper, at least for now. So I'm happy about that. Again, shh, just between you and me. Don't tell anybody I told you that. Um, gas prices. Boy, everybody loses their bleep when it goes up. Can't wait to start putting out stupid memes of presidents or other things they think is funny. Oh, I did that. Oh, he did that. Hey, look what you voted for. All this just imbecilic nonsense. But as soon as it starts plummeting down to where it was, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, now, oh, crickets, nothing. We're paying nothing for gas compared to what we were just not that long ago. It's in the 250 range. And that, that's the new normal, by the way. Everybody, I think it's fair to say $2.50, that is as cheap as gasoline will ever be. Maybe it gets close to two again someday, but it's not been much lower than that for the most of the decade, you know, the last decade or so, or even more, you know, in the, in the last, most of this post 2008 world. So two fifty is golden. I, I am good with that. And of course I use food city and use the, bu the buck. So I have 15 cents off of every gallon I get anyway, so now we're talking, you know, 230 or so, 235 for me. Boy, that may that that'll make my day for sure. Uh let's see. So this band came to uh Barking Legs the other day and sold the joint out. And I was happy to hear that it sold out. It's not a very big room. And it's not I don't know how good of a room it is. It's been open for so long, so clearly it it, for what it's there for, it serves its purpose. I, I think it's kind of more of an avant-garde performance space as opposed to a music venue, but some friends of mine were pushing me, got to go see this band Sloth Rust. Now, the name doesn't do it any favors, that's for sure. But it's indie rock, and it's a little more polished indie rock because they've been around for about 10 years. And it was Saturday night, and I thought, you know what, there's nothing going on. Luckily, they're this band that plays the same set every night. Normally, I think that's annoying. But in this case, it worked out great. So I went and made a playlist on Spotify of the exact list, of the exact set list. And I listened to it all day, and I loved it. And I thought it was fantastic. And I hadn't been to Barking Legs since 2008. And I know that wasn't that long ago, but for some reason, I cannot remember what the place looks like. I remember the outside. I even remember sitting in the car because I was in an argument with my then-girlfriend, and we were yelling at each other in the car. So I remember that part. That's part of why I don't remember. It was a pretty crummy night. It was to see the Waybacks, if you remember that band. And so I was excited to go, and I was just going to buy a ticket at the door. Nope, sold out when I got there. And uh, so I was a little bummed about that. But I, I, good for Barking Legs, still doing what they do. It's like five minutes away from my house, so the decision to go was even that much easier. But... Um, I'll play a cut from a cut or two of theirs coming in and out of uh, one of the breaks here as the show goes along. Sloth Rust, again, is the name. AM radio might be gone for good, finally. I don't know who's still listening to that nonsense. But the electric vehicle car companies are realizing that having AM radio somehow messes with the uh, some kind of electromagnetic interference. And, I mean, I don't know why they would have an AM radio in anyway, but it looks like that will not be included almost in any EVs for this uh, for the rest of time. 
Just 20% of U.S. radio audiences listens to AM radio. I can't believe it's that much. And check this out. Senator Ed Markey out of Massachusetts recently requested that automakers avoid depriving drivers of AM radio. And it's not for nostalgia, crackled-filled ball game broadcast that's influencing the 76-year-old politician stance. Markey claims that AM waves help government officials communicate with the public, particularly during emergencies. This are this is one of the examples of somebody who is representing states in this country, 76 years old, who says don't get rid of AM radio from electro, uh, electric vehicles because it is a very vital way that we communicate with the public, especially during emergencies. Go away, old, 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 elderly, geriatric politicians. Stop it now, please. And one thing here from um, a local uh, little headline real quick from about a week ago that I've been sitting on here. It's not that important, but I just like the sound of it, I think. Um, Councilwoman uh, Demetrius Coonrod is pushing for four-year terms, four-term limits, excuse me, Four four-year terms for the mayor, which I'd be a fan of. I'd be fine with. As of, as, as of now, it's just a, a traditional two-year. And there are no term limits for city council men and women. And she is pushing that there be term limits on all of it, council and mayor, for at four terms, which is a long time. It's 12 years. Wait, four, eight, 12. No, that's 16 years. It's a long damn time. You don't need to be there your whole life. Plus, this is a part-time position for the council. I guess I don't know what my greater point is there, but yeah, either way, term limits, I'm a fan of. The other thing, though, is moving the um, election to the same time as the general in the traditional times of November and moving it away from March. She cites it's a lot of money to do a, a separate election, and the numbers probably don't lie. 224000 she said it costs for the March elections of this year. And then a runoff of a, of almost two hundred thousand more. I I don't know where I think about that. I I, I kind of like leaving it separate because I don't want to. Even though most of these city or maybe all of the the city elections are are partisan or nonpartisan, right? Well, I get I always get confused. They don't. It's not R and D's. You know that that's not the how these elections are set up. But you don't want to, or I don't want to muddy the waters with local mayors and commissions commissioners and council people with you know what Don Trump says today or what you know whoever Ted Cruz or uh Nancy Pelosi or whatever I don't want that muddy in who's going to waters of who's going to be my mayor and on my city council cuz who they vote for or care is the president of the United States doesn't matter this is my city and so if you leave that apart even though I know they're not R&Ds but we still know Generally speaking, you know where they're coming from. That leaves a, the separate nature of it, and I like that. And um, it separates it from the, ma- the 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 political entertainment complex, which is poisonous and evil. And it assures people who actually really do want to vote and know what they're doing are going to make the, the the concentrated effort to get out to vote in March and not just, oh, here, I'm voting for Don Trump, but who's a Republican for the city council? Who's a Republican for the city mayor? That's who I'm going to vote for, too. You know, I don't need that. So I'm, f- I'm fine with leaving it separate. I don't care that the numbers are low. It doesn't bother me at all. And TikTok, Dem- uh, Democrats and Republicans both are in favor of potentially banning my favorite app ever made, and I will fight 
a man or woman who wants to go through with that. And I will uh, get to more of that maybe here in just a little bit. Right now, it is the return of Stone's Throw. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. Wait, what? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. Beep, beep. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? So, like I said, it was basically just a reason to play the sounder. Haven't heard it in a long time. So, Supreme Court upholds California ban on flavored tobacco. The ban, or Prop 31, was overwhelmingly approved by voters in November and will prohibit the sale of most flavored tobacco products, including menthol cigarettes. And a couple of years ago, or whenever it was, right as, uh, as, as Biden took office, there was a story of the, the, the administration taking on uh, the, the menthol cigarettes and trying to get them banned federally. I don't know where that went, and I immediately said, what the hell are you talking about banning menthol cigarettes? First of all, if I'm going to smoke, which I don't, I love a menthol cigarette. Um, I, I just didn't think that they were proportionately more dangerous than other cigarettes. Now, some of the numbers show that it is fine, whatever, enough, just stop, just quit. I mean, this is lawmakers, legislators, and I'm going to come back to this really quick because I'm going to do this quickly. And when I just did a stupid, simple Google search for why do lawmakers always keep making laws? It was a, a silly, asinine Google search, hoping to find silly, asinine responses, or maybe somebody who had done a blog on something that might spark my interest. It didn't really, except for it pulled up something else that made me think a little bit more than, than I've thought on that subject. I'll get to that in a second. First of all, New Zealand imposes lifetime ban on young people buying cigarettes. New Zealand on Tuesday passed law that with a unique plan to phase out tobacco smoking by imposing a lifetime ban on young people buying cigarettes. The law states that tobacco can't ever be sold to anybody born on or after January 1st, 2009. It means the minimum age for buying cigarettes will keep going up and up. In theory, somebody trying to buy a pack of cigarettes 50 years from now would need an ID to show that they were at least 63 years old. That is a really interesting uh, way to do it. I can't say I love it. I don't know how much I hate it. I I guess I do totally hate it, being a, a complete libertarian. But that's an interesting thing to do. You can still buy cigarettes, just not if you were born in 2009 or later. Uh, the Libertarian Act Party, which opposed the bill, said many small, small corner stores no, in New Zealand, uh, known as dairies, would go out of business because they would no longer be able to sell cigarettes. Really? Are they selling that many cigarettes? And then, so after I did the search on why do lawmakers keep making laws, meaning, like, can't you just take the day off? Why do you got to constantly be making laws every day all the time? I mean... It, I guess that's just what they're supposed to do. I know this is a dumb question. We already knew this. It's because of the lobbyist, and there's this whole machine. Again, not stuff we didn't already know or I didn't already know. The headline is, you elected them to write new laws. They're letting corporations do it instead. And basically what's happening here, it's an entire industry of lobbyists representing big corporations are just regurgitating these same bills over and over again. 
Uh, USA Today and the Arizona Republic and Center for Public Integrity found 10,000, at least 10,000 bills almost entirely copied from model legislation were introduced nationwide in the past eight years. More than 2,100 of those bills were signed into law. It's just, I've always kind of wondered that too. Who's writing up these, these bills? It's not the politicians. They're not even reading them half the time. It's a machine, and they just keep churning out the same ones to the same states or to different states, to the different politicians on a legislative state level, to a national level, and it's it's just happening over and over, recycled all day, every day. It is like an algorith- algorithmic thing. You'll be like, no shit, Brian, who didn't know that? Well, I mean, I just didn't realize how big the industry was and how it fuels basically every bill that flies through houses of state legislators every single day. All right, that's it. I could do a whole lot more on that. I don't feel like it. Maybe it didn't even make any sense anyway. I'm already past 20 minutes on the open. So let's tell the story of the cleaning lady. And more specifically, the cleaning ladies and how this story really doesn't have anything to do with them really all that much anyway. I'll try to connect the dots coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. I was 17. I was still in high school. I was still working in Chicago. And then both Electra and Atlantic, Atlantic Records offered me jobs, one in New York and one in L.A., and I chose the one in L.A. I had this dream, and it, it, it turns out Nikki Six and I shared a dream. He wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to find rock stars. Our dreams kind of collided, and we shared a lot of ideas. It all merged into a unified dream, and it took a few years, but in the end, my dream and his dream came true, and Motley Crue became one of the biggest rock bands in the world. It was everything I dreamed of as a teenager, that, that this is what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to travel around the world and look for great talent, you know, like raw diamonds that could be turned into something. Who is that? I'll tell you more in a minute. If you know, you know. You likely don't, though. This is... Sloth Rust. The name of this song is Peach. And now I'm really bummed I missed that show listening to him for the last week. Very, very good stuff. I heard you like your little crate. I think I'm winning this debate. So Sorry. Um, so, I've been at the same day gig for 20 years now. And then off and on, I've had the radio gigs in between and been able to juggle the two, the two jobs. And it's been, uh, it's been a very nice situation for me. And um, we just hit 20 years on the, on the gig, uh, the day job, like two months ago. And we've had, like, three cleaning ladies. They just happen to be ladies that I'm talking about specifically today. Over the past 20 years. Now we've had, like, four or five, six others in between that were flashes come and go. You know, it's, it's very difficult to find a good cleaning service for a big corporation or for a mid-sized corporation or maybe for any size. But for us, for a while, we had trouble finding a good, reliable uh, team to take care of our offices. And 
early on, about 15 years ago, there was one we had for many years. And then there was another one we had for the bulk of all of them. And then the most recent one we have now. Now, in the setting at my work, it is a very, uh, it's pretty wide open. I don't have really any privacy. Basically, I have no privacy. In my old setup downtown, I had a lot of privacy. Now I don't have any, so that was a culture shock. But I, it's, if you remember the movie Office Space, corporate accounts, me and it's speaking, just the movement. I mean, that's what this place is. And I get frustrated when I try to explain things sometimes that are that are very important to make the story that much better and more understandable because sometimes things are just experiences sometimes you cannot explain what something is you have to experience it and like i don't know skydiving right i mean we know what that is but until you do it you don't know what it actually feels like having sex you can't explain to somebody who's never done it what it what it is how what it feels like until you actually experience it and sometimes interactions with people you can't just you can't explain and i'm going to attempt to explain this a little bit with these three women first though i am going to do this i'm going to take a few steps back and say i can be uh, i'm a very easy person to get along with in a working environment i pretty much always have been now my attitude might not have been great but as far as able to get along with in a working environment i'm pretty good at it but that doesn't mean i'm going to do it cheery it doesn't mean I'm going to ask you about your day. It doesn't mean I care a damn thing about your children or what you did this weekend or what you're doing tonight or what the weather's like or what you had for dinner last night or what you're having for lunch today. I don't care about a single damn one of those things. And I never will and I'll never pretend to. And a lot of times I can come across as being rude. I'm on the other I'm the flipped upside down on that. I feel like I'm being the least rude person in the room by not bothering you with all this nonsense. And so I can come across to the person, the, hey, is it Friday yet? That type. I can come across as rude. I can come across as mean. I can come across as certainly aloof, because I am very aloof in most settings in the office. Because I have learned, and I've learned this the hard way. In so many different ways, I've learned this the hard way. Shut the up will get you places. You'll go a long way if you'll just shut the up. Just keep your mouth shut. Anything you say can and will be used against you. Just stop talking. Nobody wants to hear it anyway. I have My life has been saved in so many ways when I finally learned that if you just shut up, things are going to go better for you. And so if I'm working with you one-on-one, you need an invoice, you need to pull up the invoice history, we need to look at some uh, payments, we need to look at some fintech, you know, whatever we need to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to gladly do it. I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll help you. But I don't care what you're doing tonight after work. And I don't care what you did last night. And I don't care what your kids' names are. And so I can come across as kind of, hey, there's the asshole in the corner. But I don't bother anybody. And I get the job done. And I've been there for 20 years. So clearly I'm doing something right to where they don't kick my ass out of there. So for so- having said that, for some reason, it's just happenstance, I guess. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe a tolerance issue that I have. All three of these cleaning ladies that we've had for long stretches of time who have gotten to know most everybody in the building, not just a fly-by-night from a, from a company, I have had almost battles with, wars with. I mean, hated them. The first one, not as much. It was so long ago, I don't even remember it that well, but she annoyed the hell out of me. I was pretty young at the time, 23, 4, 5, 6 years old, but I knew I couldn't stand this person when she walked in the door. The next one, 
that was more like 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Like, she was there a long time. Miss Louise was everybody called her. Old lady, yes. I'm the asshole who gets mad about the old lady or at towards the old lady. We almost got into arguments, basically borderline did, to where she went to the general manager and asked what my problem was. Uh, I wasn't doing anything wrong. This woman is a, uh, it's, it, it all worked out and shook out fine. But I could not stand that woman. And the most recent, and again, I can't explain why. You have to experience. You just have to be a fly on the wall to understand it. And the latest is a younger lady, a little bit older than me probably, just found out the other day her name's Stacy. She's probably been around for a, maybe a year or two now. I didn't even know her name. Why? I didn't ask because I didn't care. And this lady has some of the same things that drives me crazy in the workplace when, when she's doing, it's just such noise pollution and the way she does it and the way that uh, just drives me insane. And this is something I can't explain. This woman talks to every single soul that comes into her contact. It doesn't matter who you are. She will corner you and talk to you and tell you about her babies and her aunts and uncles and her mothers and her fathers and her best friends. And I mean, it is, it is absolutely asinine. I have gone to management in a joking way and said, why can't we tell this woman to stop talking? Why can't we tell? She's disrupting the workplace. If I was doing this, you guys would tell me to stop. And so she's, um, if she's not talking to somebody in the building, she's on the phone, walking up and down the hallways, mopping and getting and running. Oh, my God. Talk, just blabbering. And our, our office is an echo chamber. If you're on the other side, 200 feet away talking, I'm going to hear it. It's just a, a echo chamber of noise pollution. It's maddening. And so... Guess who she doesn't talk to? Guess who never has a conversation with the woman who will talk to anybody? Me. Why? Because I won't allow it. I will not allow it. I do not look her in the eye. I turn my head when I see her. If she says something, I nod or go, huh, mm-hmm, yeah, uh. She's got to think deep down, this guy is the biggest piece of bleep I've ever been around. Screw this guy. And I don't care. That's fine. I don't, I'm not here to make friends with the cleaning lady. Okay. All that said, done, move along. All right, what is that What is that leading to, Brian? What's the point of the story? This is kind of like Alice's Restaurant from Arlo Guthrie. This is a story. It doesn't have anything to do with cleaning or the lady. <laughs> it's about a legendary A&R record executive from the late 80s and into the 90s and even into the 2000s who now lives in this city. And how in the hell does those have anything to do with each other? Well, I'll tell you. So I hear a long time back, one of the other I like to talk somebody's ears off type at work, who I do like, but I don't want to talk to any longer than I have to, said like, oh man, you do know, you know what she, who she is, right? And I'm like, no, I, no, I don't. Sorry. And he says, oh, well, she's like married to some like hot shot, like, uh, and I'm making up stuff here, like who uh, was in the band Sticks, and they go on all these concerts and all these like rock getaways and cruises and like he's a super like rock star guy and i'm like what she told you that and you and you believe that this mental case over here you believe that all right run along toodaloo I, you, you, step out walk away Go, enough of you <laughs> and that's it that's exactly how i treated it and that was so long ago could have been a year and a half ago 
And so I'm working with another guy uh, last week who's not normally on the later shift, and um, he was filling in for somebody. And I've known him for like 20 years. We've worked there the same amount of time doing different kinds of jobs. And I, I have a decent relationship with this guy, and sometimes we will chit-chat. And I don't mind a little small talk with this guy. And we start talking about the cleaning lady. And I'm like, this is driving me nuts, dude. And he's operations manager of the company. I'm like, seriously, can we not do something about this? And of course, he's not going to. And I was like, and everybody, these other insert person here and person B, A and B, just constantly talk to her and egg her on what's going on. And he says, well, you know why, right? And I said, no, I don't know why. Why? Because they're just as annoying. What do you mean, why? I don't know. How would I know? It's like, dude, she's married to like one of the most famous somebody in music that, you know, that any of us have ever thought of coming in contact with. And he didn't remember his name and all this. And I was like, oh, that cockamamie story, you believe that nonsense too? He's like, it's not nonsense, man. It's absolutely true. He was here like two weeks ago in the, in the conference room and we were all hanging out talking to him, having a big time. I was like, wait, that day that everybody was in? No. What are you talking? No, there's no chance this is true. He's like, dude, it is. Like he, this guy has signed like massive bands in the 80s and 90s and he's like, VIP on virtually any kind of record label um, gathering engagement in the whole country at any time that he wants. He's like a massive star that just nobody's really heard of around here. I'm like, dude, I, d- I will not believe this until you prove it. And so he starts getting on the phone and texting, like, who's what's the name, blah, blah, blah. And we start looking around, and he gives me the name, and it's Tom Zutat. And if you pay attention at all, uh, my buddy Barry Corder from the paper had a write-up on it back in the summertime, which I didn't see then. I've seen since. And you do a Google search on this guy's name, and it's just page after page after page of this guy's legacy in the rock and roll industry. Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Tesla are the first big three, and there was a bunch of other smaller ones, but that's big enough at the time. Guns N' Roses is the biggest band in the world for a little bit, and he was responsible for getting them a record deal. And he lives here in Chattanooga, and he's on the crappiest radio station in the country, second crappiest anyway, KZ10 Sucks with Scott Chase every Sunday. I knew Chase was doing uh, some vinyl show on Sunday nights. I saw somebody post, but I didn't pay any attention to it. Because I don't listen to or support any of that crap. But this guy's on the radio with him every Sunday. I had no idea. They had a big show, storytelling show at Songbirds back in the summertime. I had zero idea. And this woman who cleans the, the our office is married to the guy. He's about 20 years her junior. And apparently they have this fantastic relationship. And a couple of these other, the, the married couple, and a couple others that I work with go out to eat with them all the time, have rock and roll stories and drinks and dinners at their house and all these things. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a fascinating story. And what's more fascinating to me than meeting an actual star like Axel Rose or Slash? What do you get out of that when you meet somebody like that? Nothing. You get somebody who can't wait to not be around you any longer. You know what's awesome? It's to talk to the people who were the foundation, the members of the people who made that what it was, who enjoy telling those stories, who will be engaging. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I've been treating this woman like crap for so long now. I can't now just be friendly so I can meet her husband. What have I done? What have I done? 
Uh, there was a movie in 2019 uh, on Netflix that Pete Davidson played his character uh, on that flick that kind of turned it, got him a second dose of a little bit of celebrity in the last several years. He moved to Chattanooga for no real reason other than his mother is from Georgia and he went to move with her as she was uh, at, at the end of her life in the last half decade or so. And I guess just saw Chattanooga's a cool place. He sells cars in like Cleveland. He sells Hondas just because he's bored. His cleaning, the cleaning lady cleans house or cleans businesses because she's bored and wants to talk to people. I asked him, I like, then why is this chick here cleaning? Why is she a cleaning lady? Because she just wants to talk to people. Wow. Wow. So I guess continue to go down the rabbit hole on Tom Zutat. Even spelled weird. I had to phonetically write it out here. Um, Vince Neal cheated on him, cheated on his girl, his girl with his girlfriend while they, he was the manager of Motley Crue, whatever the exact title was. I'm not sure. Um, he is the reason that Motley Crue is a band. He is the reason that Guns N' Roses got the push that they got. And, uh, real quick, let's do, um, let's do something first. I got two clips that I pulled off of YouTube. This is him talking about, and I don't have the damn thing in front of me. I think this is what we're talking about first getting the gig and then finding, uh, Motley Crue. This is Tom Zutat, now Chattanooga native. Who knew? Everybody but me, I guess. When I was 19, I got offered a job to move out to Hollywood and work in the headquarters of Elektra Records, which was home of The Doors and Queen and Jackson Brown and The Eagles and all this music. So when I got there, though, all this music was kind of dying out. And so the company wasn't doing so well. I was just a sales guy, you know, sharing an office with someone really low in, on the food chain. And then one day, the son of the chairman of the company kidnapped me, and he took me out for lunch to some rib joint, and then afterwards he said to me, he said, what do you think of the music at my dad's company? And he, he was like the same age as me, so we're both like 20 or something. I said, well, the music really stinks here. It's like nobody's buying it anymore. People don't really care about it. Kids are really sick of it. They want something new and fresh. And I told him that I had submitted Joan Jett, I Love Rock and Roll, and I'd submitted uh, the Go-Go's and X and all these like cool LA bands that were starting to make some noise, and they had been passed on. And he said, do you mind if I go tell my dad that? And I said, I might get fired for saying that, so maybe you better not. Well, he did anyway. So the next thing I know, my phone's ringing. Hi, this is the office of the chairman of the company. You're needed upstairs immediately. So I went up there, and the first thing he says to me, he says, my son tells me you think the music at my company stinks. And I said, yeah, it's true. And he said, um, I'll tell you what, wise guy, the next thing you see that you think is going to be big, you bring it to me and I'll make sure it gets signed. Well, the next thing I saw was Motley Crue. I mean, it's an incredible story. Uh, this is a, from a list of uh, interesting things about Tom Zutat that I found online. The number six was how he got MTV to finally play Welcome to the Jungle, although Zutat had predicted that the debut album would be a success he did not know that it would take so long after nine minutes since nine months since its release the album had sold only 200 units this is the last piece of audio i have on this of tom zutat talking about that very thing radio was afraid to play him mtv was afraid to play him i get called up into the de facto president of geffen records he says i need you to sit down we're going to cut our losses now Appetite for Destruction is over. This record is dead, it's done, you've got to move on. 
I looked at him and I said, don't take it personally, but I have to go over your head. I cannot let this rest. Walked into David Geffen's office. He got off the phone. He said, what's going on? Why are you in my office without an appointment? And I said, the guy who you have running your company day to day is going to destroy Guns N' Roses' career, and he's going to prevent this from being the biggest rock and roll band in the world. And so he looked at me and he said, what's the one thing I can do to make this right? I said to him, we made a great video for Welcome to the Jungle. If you can get this band on MTV, it will change history. So this dude was in the conference room at my work within the last few weeks. And when the commotion of people gathering to that area, I rolled my eyes and just went back to my Atlanta sports talk radio, sitting over in the corner, likely with my earbuds in, being aloof and ignoring everybody and generally being the big cloud walking around who's just always uh, just in a crappy mood. So what do I do? Do I now just try to be friends with her so I can hang out with her husband? I mean, this floored me absolutely floored me. I mean, this would be a fascinating podcast guest. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens going into the new year. But yeah, dumb guy me, dumb guy me, and she's still one of the most annoying people on the planet. Doesn't change that. And my work is one of the most annoying places on the planet as well. Although a fantastic company, and I love you so much, everybody there. Thank you for employing me, and please don't take this the wrong way, even though I know none of them listen all right that's it for that um already going a little long this last segment i'm gonna do it as long as it takes it's 15 cuts of audio i bet it'll take about 20 minutes it might be a little bit longer but if you're not interested in that then thanks for being here this long go ahead and check out uh now if that's what you like to do on the way out here this is another one from sloth rust a beautiful song, a perfect example of a lot of their polished nature of their indie alt-rock sound that started over 10 years ago. This song is called Waiting. I scroll through TikTok, even though it looks like Democrats and Republicans are going to fight together to get it banned. But for now, I scroll through it so you don't have to. We'll do that next. U.S. lawmakers just unveiled bipartisan legislation to ban the use of TikTok due to privacy concerns. The new legislation would block all social media companies under the influence of Russia or China. It's not all that surprising that they're trying to ban TikTok exclusively despite Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these other American social media apps collecting the same data. Because as we all know, the U.S. government only wants your information stolen by American companies. Google and Facebook are probably the main companies lobbying for this legislation to go through. So you as the end consumer should really ask the question, why don't we introduce GDPR style legislation similar to Europe? And the answer is that the United States government wants US companies to be able to do what TikTok does and profit off of your information in-house. Do you still think about me? From one of my favorite bands of all time, Cracker, the opening theme song of the show is Cracker, Merry Christmas, Emily. 
I forgot to say this last segment. I have from eBay printed off here a Tom Zutat owned and used Vegas Motley Crew backstage pass. All access Tom Zutat, it says on the lanyard, $185.66. Wild, man. Wild. You never know what's going to happen from day to day. That's why I still love life. As crappy as things get, as stupid as the political entertainment complex can be, as dumb as family matters can end up in being, especially this time of year, the nonsense of the nonstop rain for a week and a half, you know, all the, what's the meaning of life? The meaning of life is every now and again something like that happens. And you're like, Jesus, that is wild. Wild. Okay, so the uh, rejoin there is with... Um, this TikTok thing that I'm just going to spend a second on before I get to this uh, audio. Democrats began warning to the idea or warming to the idea of government bans of TikTok. A handful of Republicans on Capitol Hill and in state capitals around the country have led the charge in pushing for government bans of the social media app TikTok because of its ties to the Chinese government. But Democrats this week have begun to jump on board as well. Oh, isn't that nice? It's been so easy to hate Republicans all this year, and it's getting e- all these years, I should say, and it's getting easier and easier and easier to hate Democrats as well. Uh, let's see. Someone's a quote here from one of the, I'm not going to name them all off. Marco Rubio is one of them. Uh, one of them quoted saying, I think it's absolutely appropriate that more states are prohibiting employees from having TikTok on their government issued devices. Fine, fine. You want to do that? That's fine. But leave the rest of us alone. I swear to God, they ban this app. I will go mental. I will go postal, I should say. And one more quote from the uh, one of the sponsors of the from the House or Senate, where this comes from. Uh, quote, the rest of the world could end up having TikTok, and particularly young people around the country and around the world, where suddenly they get only images that pop up that say Taiwan's part of China or that promotes Chinese foreign policy or Chinese Communist Party foreign policy. All right, this is just, we're just creating a fake scare of a new red scare. Stop it. Just stop. Just because you don't have a monopoly on stealing Americans' information and maybe another country's company has gotten in on your monopoly of big tech stealing everything. Stop it. Stop, stop, stop it. All right. So now, just screwing around on the way out here, we'll start right now with uh, the first of 15. We'll see how long this takes. And then we'll wrap up the year 2022. I will say it might get a little clunky here and there because this is so weird and it's hard to explain. I can't explain it on where this loads up for me to play the audio here. It's it's uh, listed in numerical order, but it's not in numerical order on this stack. It's close, but it's not exactly. So there might be a little fumbling around and I'm not interested in starting and stopping. So if it fires wrong, I'll just, you know, roll with it and we'll see how it goes. This is oh, this is a guy who his whole TikTok shtick is he it's like talk to me like I'm five, right? The the Reddit uh, thread that means dumb this thing down for me. Talk to me like I'm stupid, and this is how he explains bans from the recent past in the last 20, 25 years, as if he's explaining the band to a a dumb person or a child. Nickelback is a band that had the audacity to become extremely successful while also being, yes, extremely corny. But I would ask, are they any more corny than, say, Hinder, 
seether, shine down, no, they're not, etc., etc., etc. For a long time, it was a lazy joke to kind of dunk on Nickelback, and also kind of a way to say, oh yeah, I also have good musical taste because I hate the band that everyone hates. But now we're paying the penalty because what well, we were saying, Nickelback, the worst band ever. Imagine Dragons was like, hold my beer. I think we're at a point in music history where we're starting to see the redemption story of Nickelback. People are starting to reevaluate whether Nickelback really was that bad, and I'm here for it. I think this is so much fun. I've been on board with this, too, for now going on over a year, maybe a closer to two, that this 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 has come back around full circle to now it's cool to admit that we were all wrong and stupid. Like, oh, I'm sophisticated. I'm esoteric. I don't listen to things like Nickelback. Shut up. They were a fine band, especially when you compare them to their contemporaries. Move along here. I think I agree with this. This is a serious post from TikTok about the dangers of gambling. I'm not saying it shouldn't be legal, but I agree with the point. You guys realize that gambling is the U.S.'s next opioid crisis, right? You ever wonder how great it could be if we could just go back to 1995 and stop Purdue Pharmaceuticals, stop the Sacklers, stop OxyContin, and by doing that, keep the opioid crisis from happening, keep the United States from falling into this position where 100,000 people die every year due to opioid overdoses. How cool would that be if you could just go back to the 90s and just stop it? Well, we have that opportunity right now. The next opioid crisis, the next thing that's going to you know, send horrific shockwaves through U.S. society is gambling. In 2018, the pro-life uh, Supreme Court of the United States made gambling much easier to legalize across the country, something that's fairly new in the 200-plus year history of this country. And the results are already horrific, and they're just going to get worse. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't want to get sidetracked and go sideways here on a segment that's not supposed to be serious or mean anything, but I believe that 100% and could fight anybody who wants to have the vice challenge of which one's worse or better. I think it's just as bad as as, as all of the, the, the bad issues in people's lives. I don't want it to be illegal, and I find it fascinating, but I find it stupid, and luckily I don't have any interest in it. Today's, uh, or this is the first appearance of Mitt Romney today. I wish he would run again. I think he would make a fine president. I really do. I like Mitt Romney. This is his first uh, appearance today. Well, as you know, the Republican Party has long been the party of the Constitution. And so when President Trump says he wants to suspend the Constitution, uh, he goes from being MAGA uh, to being rhino. Um, we're the we're the Constitution Party. Do you wish that more of your fellow Republicans were more forcefully denouncing his comments like this? Specifically, you, know, you, can't, him? you can't. You really can't spend all your time as an elected Republican official talking about uh, former President Trump. Uh, and uh, he says something uh, controversial almost every day. And if every day we responded to it, it wouldn't. Uh, uh, accomplish much. Do you think this will impact his chances of getting the Republican nomination? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect answer. You think this will affect it? Not at all. He's so right. Uh, let's see. The next two are very short and absolutely fantastic. I hope this guy keeps this up. This is white conservative Jesus. This is the first one back to back. This is if uh, a present day white conservative Jesus, let me make sure I have the right one. Sorry, there it is. So there I was, the only white guy in Jerusalem. Then a blind man approached me and asked me to cure his blindness. But I said no, for you have pre-existing conditions. Then the poor asked for food, but I said no, because it would create dependency. 
Amen. And the funny part is, is that it's it's a picture of like Jesus with all the the kids and and people around him as he's you know all my children and he just changes the lips like I guess Conan used to do all those years and Jimmy Fallon does and he puts the lips on top of it. It's very funny. This one's a little bit longer. It is the second one from the white conservative Jesus. Look, if the guy didn't want to get crucified, then he should have complied with the Roman soldier's unlawful orders. <clears throat> Gather around, children. Come listen to the gospel. Blessed are the rich. The rich shall inherit the earth. Do unto others before they do unto you. Thou shalt not kill. You know, unless there's like a war or something where we need resources. Or, or if you feel threatened. I mean, if this kid in the hat next to me was walking around my neighborhood in a hoodie, I might feel pretty threatened. Also, slavery is not a sin. There's a difference between salvation and a complete disregard for socioeconomic trends. Absolutely brilliant. So, so, so good. This one is, was Pete Rose really that good? If you put it in this perspective, it doesn't really sound like it. Sorry, baseball haters. What is a sports take that you know is true but wouldn't be well-received? Pete Rose is the most overrated player in baseball history. Overrated and underrated is not just about production. It's how you're perceived. Many people think he's the best hitter of all time, a top five hitter, a top 10 hitter. He's not even top 30, maybe top 40. His career batting average is the 179th highest total. War is a cumulative stat. He's 37th in that, and he played significantly more than anyone else. He's 257th all time in on-base percentage. He's not even the top 1,300 players in slugging percentage. He's 1,329th. He is 502nd in most home runs. 751st in OPS. That's on-base percentage plus slugging percentage. Now, I'm a Pete Rose guy. I'm a Pete Rose fan. Wish he was in the Hall of Fame. But those numbers actually do just show he kind of just played for a long time and racked up a lot of singles, base hits. Now, it's still 4,000-plus. What, 4,000? 162, 160, no, that's not right. It's over 4,000. Anyway, all right, a little bit of language here. Uh, it's only 10 seconds long, though. You know, in the meme world, no matter where you're at, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, where it says me and then also me, like me, I need to work, I want to work out and feel better, also me, passed out on the couch watching, you know, Law & Order. This is one of those versions. She starts talking to the screen, and then she's watching the World Cup. Where is it? Sorry. Like I said, I don't feel like stopping. Man, I hate this country sometimes, bro. I can't fucking stay. Red, white, blue, motherfucker. These colors don't run, bitch. USA! 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 <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted because my computer started making noise. One more time. Man, I hate this country sometimes, bro. I can't fucking stay. Red, white, blue, motherfucker. These colors don't run, bitch. USA! USA! Oh, uh, that's good. Uh, this is just some dude talking about cursive writing. I never really thought about it this way. Cursive is just a font. We don't know how to write every font. And why would we? I've done a video on this before, but it's worth repeating. I keep seeing videos about the tragedy of young people not learning cursive in school. Oh, my God. They can't read those old classic documents. Cursive is not a different language. It's just a font. My son doesn't write cursive, but I can show him cursive letters and he can tell me what they're supposed to be. I know cursive and I have trouble reading a lot of cursive because it's often so sloppy. Cursive was developed in the time of quills and ink because anytime you put the quill down on the page, you'd leave a blot. So they developed a font that you wouldn't have to lift the quill as often from the page. 
it, it's not anything special. As I said before, I can read Helvetica, but I can't write Helvetica. I've never learned specifically to write that one. Now, if it was Wingdings, that's completely different because they look nothing like the letters they're supposed to represent. Maybe we should be teaching our kids Wingding. Yeah, I didn't know what Wingding was. I'm like, I guess I knew what it was. I just know what it was called. But yeah, I can't write in cursive. Can you? I mean, I can read cursive, but I can't write in cursive. I can barely write in regular script as brain damage as I've gotten these days. This is um, something my 18 and 19-year-old self would have wanted to beat this person, but I don't think that's true anymore. The biggest lie that young people get told is that when you're 18, 19, 20, that's when you're supposed to be having all your fun. You're supposed to go out and party and do all the fun stuff. It's when you have the most freedom. It's when you don't have as much responsibility. So you should go out and you should have fun. That is bullshit. When you're young, that is when you can do the most. When you can work the hardest, sleep the least, and focus on as few things as possible. Now is not your time to have fun. You know what's actually fun? Maximizing your skills, getting rich, and then having freedom the rest of your life. Being able to afford your family opportunities, being able to take care of the people that took care of you, being able to choose what you do with your time. That's fun. Not partying, not drinking, not smoking. All of that is nonsense. And whoever told you that you need to spend your most vital years doing that. That was a bad edit on their part. Yeah, it kind of makes me want to go back and redo all of it in a way. Uh, this is a guy I follow, Professor Scott Galloway. He's a clinical professor of marketing at the New York Sister uh, University Stern School of Business. Basically, he's a motivational speaker, a, a podcaster, and he was on a podcast of a young, much younger person, probably maybe even Gen Z or somebody clearly younger than him. He's in his probably mid-50s. And uh, just talking about money, how you get it, how you do it, all those kinds of things. I believe America becomes more like itself every day. And that is, it's a loving, generous place if you have money. It's a rapacious, violent place if you don't have money. So, mm. you know, you were born or you live in a capitalist society, money's important. And wealthy people don't talk a lot about money. They want to pretend that they're just such geniuses that they don't think about money. That's like saying Roger Federer doesn't think about tennis. If you want to be good at money, you need to think about it a lot. And I'm not saying being mm -hmm. obsessed with it, but if you are ambitious, as I imagine the majority of the people listening to this podcast, dispel the myth of balance, you're going to have to work your ass off. It's a competitive marketplace out there. And I really don't know anybody who's been very successful economically that hasn't spent the better part of 20 years doing pretty much nothing but working. The reason why I have so much balance now, Hala, is because I had almost none when I was your age. Mm. You can have it all. You just can't have it all at once. You can have it all. You just can't have it all at once is uh, an excellent uh, piece of advice. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's certainly worth thinking about. More from Professor Galloway in just a minute. I figured this would be a good juxtaposition on that. There's a lot of this take out here. Uh, language again, I believe. Uh, just a warning. Why are we not talking about how fucking sick a 40-hour work week is. I'm so sorry. So you're telling me that I have to wake up at the fucking butt crack of dawn every single day, go and work somewhere that has fluorescent lighting, is cold and uncomfortable for the entirety of the day, and do that five times a week? No, like, that's fucking sick. Like, you guys are mentally ill. Like, please get diagnosed. I, I, I don't entirely disagree with that. That was probably a bad example of what is a greater point made in many pockets of social media. This idea that we're just okay 
with it. It's a, it's a millennial thing, but it's certainly more closer to a, a, a Zoomer, a Gen Z thing that I, I do agree with some of it. Like, why have we just accepted this as what it's supposed to be? And, you know, hourly pay, which I go on rants about. And a lot of these things that are traditional that, that just make zero sense anymore. And why are we just okay with that? And I, I, I will listen to that all day long. Yeah, that one was probably a bad example, but it was the only one I had at the time. One more from uh, Professor Galloway. This is where he's talking about uh, what's happening presently with Elon Musk and uh, Twitter, at least maybe within the last month or so. Yeah, I don't think I think we're seeing the un, the unwinding, not of a company, but the unwinding of a person. And I believe it's a larger trend as societies become wealthier, more educated. The reliance on a super being and church attendance goes down, but they still look for idols into that void to step technology leaders because technology is the closest thing we have to magic. And, G, you know, our new Jesus Christ was Steve Jobs. And now Elon Musk has taken on that mantle and every ridiculously mean, nonsensical, irrational move he makes is somehow seen as chestnut checkers. We're just not privy to his genius yet. Uh, I think this is an individual who has demonstrated a total lack of grace, has no guardrails around him, and is gonna see his wealth probably cut in half. This is already the second worst acquisition in history just a week or two weeks after the close. It's such an interesting overall view of um, uh, what we idolize, idolatry, and I've seen a lot of these accounts doing a lot of these little pieces on, on all social medias. And it's so true. It's absolutely true. The Internet is the closest thing to magic and to the unexplainable to the average person. Like, it does magical things. And the creators of this magic are the new idols, meaning a Steve Jobs and an Elon Musk, and it goes a little deeper and further in a lot of other places I've, I've read and, and, and seen videos and audio and podcasts and radio and all these other things. It is so true that we have replaced, you know, religion in a lot of ways with, with technology creators and idolizing it. And it's, um, again, could do this for a long time too. It's very, very true. I don't know that if it, that it's good. I don't know that it's necessarily terribly bad i don't have a strong overall opinion on it at this point but it's a fascinating thing to think about and i'm at 20 minutes now on the final segment so we will go a little long today but why not it's the final day of the year we're having a party over here only got three more for you and they're really not even that good these are politicians the rest of the way out i mean honest i got tired at the end of this it takes a long time to compile all this stuff and put it together in a you know i'm not, I'm not trying to say you know feel sorry for me or thank me or pat me on the back I started to get a little tired and was like, I, I think I'm done. I had so many more from Pearl just about the Ticketmaster thing and a bunch of other stuff, and I just I lost it or forgot about it. For, so for the final three, as we do politics, politicians anyway, on the way out, Chris Christie on Trump here, you know, within the last week or two. On the Donald Trump side, I mean, you know, we all remember in 2016, he said if he got elected, there was going to be so much winning and winning and winning and winning. They'd get sick of winning. None of us knew at the time he was actually talking about the Democrats. Um, we're going to do all that winning, not the Republicans. And that's what he's wrought. And Herschel Walker is his creation. And so he's got to own the fact that Herschel Walker so vastly underperformed in a state, as, as, as we saw earlier, every other Republican running statewide won, except for Herschel Walker. You know what that tells you? Bad candidate. Herschel Walker is a fumbling, bumbling, mentally ill 
fool. He's diagnosed schizophrenic, multiple personalities. He has a rap sheet that goes back 20 years. It was an absolutely idiotic under idea and thought that run Herschel run run for the run for the end zone Herschel was going to get a Senate seat. This is not a television show, even though it basically is. It's just not a good television show. Mitt Romney shows up again. Are others? Uh, Do you think the Sorry. Republican Party has lost its way? Oh, I, I, you know, have some people lost their way? Yes. Uh, are, are, are others uh, filled with a vision for the future? Absolutely. I mean, I think we got, I don't know, 12 people or more that would like to be president that are thinking of running uh, in 2024. Um, if President Trump continues in his campaign, I'm not sure they can, any one of them can make it through and, and beat him. Um, you know, I think he's got such a strong base of, I don't know, 30 or 40 percent of the Republican voters or maybe more. It's going to be hard to, to knock him off as our nominee. If he became a nominee, I think he loses again. And um, Would you support him if he's the nominee? Absolutely not. I voted to remove him from office twice. So uh, <laughs> I knew what your answer was going to be, but I had to ask. Again, I like Mitt Romney. And the final one here is Madison Cawthorn, the uh, representative out of North Carolina, and just another bit of political performance that's all the chambers are for the television channel uh c-span for the senate and the house and then somebody grabs it and turns it into social media post it's all performative it it well it means something i wasn't gonna say it means nothing it, it means something but it's nonsense and this is him in the chambers just the other day basically talking into a room full of echoes and hardly anybody in the room but there are video cameras and now it's all over social our young men are taught that weakness is strength, that delicacy is desirable, and that being a soft metrosexual is more valuable than training the mind, body, and soul. Social media has weakened us, siphoning our men of their will to fight, to rise in a noble manner, square their jaws, and charge once more into the breach of life to defend what they love. So on this precipice of disaster, I ask the young men of this nation a question. Will you sit behind a screen while the story tales of your forefathers become myth? Or will you stand resolute against the dying light of America's golden age? Will you reclaim your masculinity? Will you become a man to be feared, to be respected, to be looked up to? Or will you let this nation's next generation be its final generation? This nation's next generation to be the final generation. Get, get the hell out of here, you performative dumb. All right, that's all. Uh, thank you so much. I've been doing this for at least 20 years, maybe closer to 22 years. The last show or the last time or two I speak into a microphone at the end of every year, I say something along the lines of this. Maybe it's a, a, a reflection on me and how uncultured I am and how hobbyless I've become in my adult years, but the spoken word format, podcasting and radio, and creating this kind of content is my ultimate pastime. It is my favorite thing to do. Of every week, I spend more time dedicated to this kind of uh, distribution, content distribution, and I have been for over 20 years. And I, I adore it, it's my passion, and I love it. And the fact that anybody would sit down and listen to this, not just once, one would be enough for me to be grateful. But consistently, on and off even, over the years here and there, nobody who puts stuff out gets listened to every time, all the time. 
any amount of time from the bottom of my heart. I thank you so incredibly much. It means the absolute world to me. I can be cold, dead, heartless so often, no doubt, but I do cherish the things that I do in life, and that is one of them. So I thank you very, very much. I wish you a very happy holiday season. Merry Christmas, whatever it is, spiritually, hallmark or whatever it is, or otherwise, however you do it, I wish the best for you and an amazing new year. And I will be back early into January. I can't promise you it'll be the first Thursday, but I think it probably will be. And just like I do all the time, I might be talking too much, and I don't mean to be vague. Talking, I mean out of my, you know, out of my ass, really. And I don't mean to be vague, but I have a big, uh, I don't know if it, the changes is the right word, but a lot of things I want to get done in my personal life and my professional life into the next year. Really more than I ever have thought of in the past with a lot of seriousness and a lot of motivation. And I don't know what they are yet. That's why I can't exactly say it out loud as far as exactly what it's going to be. But I'll definitely, as I always try to be, the most transparent person ever. I live my life out in the open. I let everybody in to see where it's all being made. I don't hold back. And I hope that's part of the allure for wanting to listen to this show. I love you. We'll talk again soon. See you later. Bye. It's Christmas Day and it's like 80 degrees. I still think about you. Do you still?